All right, good morning again, and welcome. For those of you that are watching online or just watching them or listening to the message, welcome. I want to remind you to check in. Now today, if you check in, I'm going to send you an extra resource related to today's message. I'm just going to do that automatically for everybody that checks in. So we'll be talking about some resources today. Everything I mentioned and maybe a couple more will be on this sheet that I'm going to send you. So be sure that you check in. That's our way of getting and staying in touch with you and also knowing how we can pray for you. So uh, be sure to answer that as well. We are in a series called Praxis, and we've said that our praxis is our course of action. These are the things that we do. They're not a list of right and wrongs. They're not uh, qualifications for membership or salvation or anything like that, but these are things that we do that foster spiritual growth. And last week, I gave you kind of an overview and a shorthand for those. You might remember we said that that, uh, it's no grow and go. No, someone following Jesus will be a person communing with God on their own. Grow, they're going to be worshiping in a community, following Jesus together, growing among friends in a circle. You should have a circle that knows what's going on with you, that you know what's going on with them. And going, making a difference in our world. So today, we're going to come back around to this idea of knowing that someone following Jesus will be a person communing with God on their own. Remember, we talked about the church as a greenhouse, that God provides the life and then we should be doing everything we can to foster that life so that it's flourishing, so that it's fruitful. And we talked about the environment that we create, that we uh, endeavor to create, that will promote and foster spiritual growth. But today, we're going to focus in on a key practice uh, and these are kind of the tools. You see some tools up there in this greenhouse. So what are the tools that we can use in order to facilitate and prompt spiritual growth? And especially as it relates to communing with God on a regular basis. Now, the question that we're going to be answering today is this. Why doesn't the Bible make sense to me sometimes? See if you can relate. You, you love God. You want to read the Bible. You're reading the Bible. And then you come across something that just seems so extraordinary, out of the ordinary, confusing, maybe even counter to what you think God would be like. And it just doesn't make sense. What do you do with that? Or uh, you know, I think about this uh, because my wife, Sue Ellen, is a teacher and she teaches English. And right now they're in Julius Caesar. They're teaching, they're teaching through um, Shakespeare's Julius Caesar. And so this is a play that, you know, was written for about 400 years ago. Uh, but in English and in our general, you know, culture, I mean, we're from Britain, but you, you know what I'm saying. And if you pick up that play, you will be lost because there are words there that you don't understand and, and analogies and metaphors that are just not common to us. I remember when I was studying Shakespeare in high school, I made sure to get the cliff notes, right? How many of you love cliff notes, right? You have, had to have the cliff notes in order to understand it. Now, when we go to the Bible, we don't approach it like that. 
we think, oh, it's, it's the Bible. So I just should be able to pick it up and understand it and apply it to my life and everything will make sense because it's God's word, right? But remember, the Bible is both divine and human. This is a document or actually a collection of documents that were written thousands of years ago in different languages in a different culture. So it's a totally different time and place. And so you wouldn't approach any other ancient literature and just pick it up and assume, oh, well, I'm going to understand this perfectly. You know, different culture, different language, different time, different place. But we, we somehow approach the Bible like that. And then we come across something that's confusing. And here's what can happen. Uh, you, you run across and it doesn't make sense. And you're like, well, this should make sense, but that doesn't make sense. And I don't know if that fits with what I think God would be like. That confuses me. And then you begin to doubt and you begin to wonder. And, you know, it's not, not really motivating to pick up a Bible or pick up anything that you don't understand that doesn't seem relevant and that just confuses and causes you difficulty. So you're probably not going to do that. And here's another thing that can happen. So, uh, you know, you might have grown up in church. And then, uh, you know, so you come, you listen, things are going pretty well, but then you get to a certain age and you're leaving home and uh, you're going to college and, and you have your first, uh, maybe earlier, maybe later, your first boyfriend or girlfriend. And then almost immediately, you know, by that first relationship and first semester of college, you're totally walking away and drifting away because there was, there was nothing that was rooting you and all these questions and all of these difficulties and all these challenges, they just kind of never got settled. And so there's nothing to anchor you. There's no, you don't have any tools. You don't have any, any, any skills to, to figure out, well, when I encounter a difficulty or when I encounter somebody who doesn't believe the way that I believe, well, what do I do with that? How do I navigate that? So remember, part of our Part of our purpose as a church is to inspire and equip you to follow Jesus wholeheartedly. So uh, to use the analogy, okay, on Sunday mornings, we try to give you a fish, a good fish, a very tasty fish, the best fish that we can possibly do. But during the week, you need to learn how to fish for yourself. You need, you, you, you know, if, if a person is only given fish, and then they're out in the world and they don't have the skill, then there's no way for them to feed themselves. So that's why when we talk about communing with God on a regular basis, saying yes over and over again to Jesus as Lord and Savior, what we're, what we're talking about in this skill is a particular skill, a key discipline. In fact, the key probably discipline of all related to discipleship if you're going to be a part of our church. Uh, that this is, this is key. This is the starting point. This is the one thing if you don't gain any other habits over the time that you're at Cornerstone. I hope that you'll gain a lot and we'll talk more about that later. But, but start here and that's learning how to read and respond to God's word on a daily basis. To read with understanding and with insight 
And so that when somebody, you encounter somebody that doesn't believe the way that you do, or you encounter a situation and you're like, well, I was taught to do this and not do this, but I don't have any good reasons for that. So why should I, or why shouldn't I? You will have the skills to figure out how to go forward and how to work through those difficulties and how to face those challenges and to overcome them. So it's a big question. Why doesn't the Bible make sense to me sometimes? But there are good answers and there are good tools that you can use and skills you can develop in order to face any of those challenges that we talked about in a way where you come out the other side with your faith intact, stronger, better, better skilled, better prepared, and experiencing a better life, the kind of life that if you have a loving heavenly father who loves you, has, his, has your best interests at heart, wants what's best for you, the kind of life that he would choose for you and that really you want as well. So let's talk about it uh, in this message, the drip kit. So what we're talking about are resources. I'm going to resource you. And at the end, I'm going to challenge you to pick up at least one additional resource and add it to your arsenal, to your toolkit, as you do your devotional practice this week. So last week, I encouraged you to start a devotional practice. That's every day to have some opportunity where you're reading and responding to God's word. Now, I'm going to equip you. I'm going to give you your kit so that you have everything that you need in order to do this successfully and skillfully. Let's read this scripture, and this is going to work a little bit differently than normal. I'm not going to go through this verse by verse. I'm going to read it at the beginning, and here's what I want you to look for. I want you to look for the role of God's Holy Spirit in what's going on here. And then at the end, we're going to come back around to that. So just, you know, be prepared. We're going to do this, but then we're going to come around back to it. And this is from the letter from the Apostle Paul to the church at Corinth. And he's talking about how the gospel, the good news of Jesus, who he is, what he did, and what it means for us came to them. And this is what it says. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. When I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words or impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I'd forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling, and my message and my preaching were plain, very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so that you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Amen. Yet, when I'm among mature believers, I do speak with words of wisdom, but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world or the rulers of this world who are soon forgotten. No, the wisdom we speak is of the mystery of God, his plan that was previously hidden, even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. But the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. That is why the scriptures, that is what is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But 
it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. For the spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except the person's own spirit, and no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. When we tell you these things, we don't use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the spirit using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual, literally those who do not have the Spirit, can't receive those truths, these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds like foolishness to them, and they can't understand it, for only those who are spiritual, those who have the Spirit, can understand what the Spirit means. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in that passage, we are reminded of our dependence upon you, that uh, the most eloquent human wisdom is going to fall short and fall flat, but the plainest words spoken in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit can turn around people's lives for eternity. So Lord, I pray that as we gather together, as we look at your word, as we listen for the voice of your spirit, that you will speak to us that you will show each of us exactly what we need to know and exactly what we need to do with what we hear today. And we trust that you will do exactly that because you love us, because you are here with us, and because you have our best interest at heart as a perfect, loving, heavenly Father. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So already some of you will have picked up that I'm going to be talking about the process of life journaling, but we're going to go beyond that. So if you know what that is, if you've done that before, then don't, don't, don't tune out because number one, I'm going to give you extra resources and ideas. But number two, remember, it's our responsibility to make disciples, to pass on these skills to others. So, uh, so be looking at it from that perspective as well. What is a life journal? Basically, it's an empty blank book that you fill in. It's not a devotional. It's a devotional that you write. At the beginning, there is a reading plan. You read the scripture, and then you go through a process, the SOAP process, which uh, is an acronym for Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. And we'll uh, walk through that and talk about the resources related to that. Now, do you have to get a specific thing that says Life Journal on it? No, you can use any book. But, the, but I do think a key part is writing because there's just something about writing. You don't have to write a lot, but write something and that will make a huge difference. So I'm going to walk you through that process. And in your growth guide for this week, I've included a little bookmark that's a life journaling. It's the first steps life journaling bookmark. Gives you the overview of the SOAP process, the, a reading plan for the entire year, and some tips to, that I'm not even going to talk about today, I don't think, that will help you become successful at it as well. What I like about that reading plan is it covers the whole of scripture, but it focuses in on those parts of the scripture that are easiest to understand and apply. So it's not quite as overwhelming as trying to read the whole Bible in one year and go through all of that, but that's a first 
first step. I hope you will read the entire script of scriptures, but that's a first step. So let's walk through it together and let's explain. Now you'll notice I haven't given you the bottom line yet, and that's on purpose because the first part actually explains that. So let's talk about first the scripture. The question when you're writing is that you're going to answer is this, what does it say? In other words, you're just going to pick a particular verse and you're just going to rewrite it. You don't write what it's about. You don't write an entire paragraph. You don't paraphrase. You don't summarize. You just rewrite it. It's copy work. You're picking the scripture. And the resource that I'm going to focus in on is you need a good Bible and you need a good reading plan. So let's look at this together. A key, word, a key verse that talks about the scriptures is in, found in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Timothy, 2 Timothy is a letter from the Apostle Paul to his apprentice in ministry, Timothy. And he says, all scripture is inspired by God, literally God breathed, and is useful. So before we go any further, let's just look at this for a second. All scripture. One of the things that's important is if you're going to develop this daily habit, I love devotional books. I love reading them. I often use them, uh, podcasts that do devotions and that kind of thing. But what they usually do, understandably, is focus in on one little piece of scripture. And then if you do the whole thing, the whole thing for a whole year of uh, an average devotional book, you'll just get bits and pieces of the scripture over the entire year. So if all scripture is inspired by God, words from God, and all of it is useful, it's practical, it's helpful, then you need a plan that is going to encompass the entirety of scripture. Now, the first steps reading plan that I gave you covers the entirety focusing in on certain passages. The regular reading plan covers the entire Bible. And if you follow the Life Journal reading plan, then you will read the entire Old Testament once and the entire New Testament twice over the course of the year. Another thing that's helpful, and one of the reasons that I that I promote this particular reading plan is it's the best reading plan that I've ever run up against to show you how the scriptures are interrelated. A lot of thought was, was put into how the scriptures are ordered and how they are related so that the passages that you're reading on a day are, can be related to one another. For example, uh, my daughter Joy just finished her first year at Word of Life Bible Institute. The last thing that they did was Revelation and Daniel, which makes sense. Revelation is the last book of the Bible. I think that God put it that way because it's kind of like the final exam of biblical interpretation. Uh, if you don't know the rest of the Bible, you are going to be totally lost in the book of Revelation. And I can give you lots of people who are interpreting it and are totally lost because they're not relating it to the rest of the scripture. So one of the cool things that this reading plan does is it'll put together like a passage from Ezekiel that has been referenced and, and reworked and kind of, I, I likened it when I was talking to Joy as kind of like the jazz interpretation of it. It's taking those themes and it's reworking them and giving them new meaning. But, but if you don't know the old tune, then you're not going to be able to appreciate the new tune. And this 
this, this reading plan puts them together so that you can see them side by side and make those connections. So you need a good reading plan that's going to cover the entirety of Scripture. Now, what does it do? All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful. Well, how is it useful, Paul? To teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. So what that, there's, there's a lot there. Uh, it it shows us what is true. Uh, when we were talking about our paradigm for understanding the Bible, we said that what the Bible teaches is true, is true. Not everything in the Bible is true. It'll describe some things and describe people's actions that you don't want to follow and that are wrong, but it's not teaching that. So you have to be a little bit discerning. What the Bible teaches is true, is true. So it helps us to recognize what is true. And also for ourselves, What's wrong in our lives? Other translations put this as rebuking. Sometimes we need affirmation, and sometimes we need a little bit of rebuking. And the scriptures do that. They will rebuke. They will correct us, help us to realize what's wrong with our lives. But not just rebuking, not just pointing out what is wrong. It also corrects us when we are wrong. That's redirecting. redirecting. That's getting us back on the right track. And teaches us to do what is right. There's so much in that phrase, but it's the idea of, of, of discipling, of mentoring, of apprenticing you so that when you face a situation, you not only know the right thing to do, but you actually do it. You actually do it. That it becomes a habit. Some of us can have, have had times in our lives, maybe we're in a time in our life right now, where, where our habit is to make the wrong choice. We're going, we're going in the wrong direction. And when we encounter something, we're like in all these different directions. What if it was your habit that when you encountered a difficulty or a challenge, you knew exactly what to do and you just kind of naturally walked in the right direction? That's what it's talking about. And it's, it's very practical. Look at the next verse. God uses it, what? The scriptures, to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. In Ephesians 2.10, it says that you, as a follower of Jesus, as a part of his family, are his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. You're not saved by good works. You can't be saved by good works. You can't be good enough. But once you are saved, once you have been born again, your new life is active in you. And God has good things for you to walk in every day. And the way that he prepares you and equips you for that is with his word. So what I want to do is give you the tools that you need so that you can read and understand the Bible, uh, know what it means, apply it to your life, work through difficult and challenging passages, and experience the benefits of this passage so that your life is totally different. And rather than going in all the wrong directions, you're walking wisely. Or to put it the way I did for the bottom line, get a drip kit to flip your script. 
right? Okay, what's a drip? That's fancy. That's fly. That's everything. You're well outfitted. And your kit is the things that you need in order to do what you need to do. And if you can do this, if you get these resources, if you apply these uh, to your life, if you use these tools, it can flip the script of your life. You can write a new ending to your story. You can make a U-turn. You can experience the life that God wants for you. So that's what we're going to be talking about. Now, one of the first questions that people ask if they're going to start reading the Bible is what Bible should I use? You go on Amazon, you search Bible. There are so many options and so many different versions and so many different uh, things to choose from. Where do you start? So I'm going to give you a quick, I'm already out of breath, a quick overview of the different translations and what I would suggest for you. So first, let me just work through this together. What are the different types of translation? There are different translation approaches. Again, remember, this is written, Bible is in three different ancient languages, and it has to be translated into English unless you're going to spend a couple of years learning these languages. So there are different approaches. There's word for word, thought for thought, and what I call get the idea. If you're filling in the blanks on the mess in the growth guide, fill, fill in get the idea. Here's what that means. You could approach it so that every time you encountered one word, you try to replace it with an equivalent l- word in the new language. So for example, uh, let's, the word for uh, love in Greek is agape. Many of you have heard that before. So every time they see the word agape, they're going to translate that for love. Now, the, the part of the challenge is there are multiple words for love in, uh, in Greek, And if you just translate them all into love, then you kind of lose something there. So people said, well, let's let's do thought for thought, not just word for word, because sometimes that can be lost in translation. But let's do thought for thought. So it's not just words. It's what's the thought of this passage? And let's put that in the new language. And then there's what I call get the idea. So um, and that's not that's not unspecific or general, like, oh, I have the general idea. No, what I mean is that you actually get, oh, it's like an aha moment. That's what they're talking about. I get the idea now. Now, the words that you will usually encounter for these three different approaches are literal, dynamic equivalence, and paraphrase. There will not be a test, but if you hear those phrases thrown around, that's what they are talking about. They say this is a liter- more literal translation. The dynamic equivalence was a term that came up about 50 years ago when they translated the new international version. It was the first really dynamic equivalence, that thought for thought translation. And then a get the idea is, is often uh, referred to as a paraphrase. You're taking the scriptures and you're putting it in your own words. But I think it's a little bit better than that. So that's why I say get the idea. Now, what are some examples of these? Uh, there are different uh, categories. These are ones that I recommend that I think are good ones in each of these categories. Let's start with the, with, uh, the literal. Christian Standard Bible, New American Standard Bible. This is an older uh, translation. This is a newer translation. This is the one that I read regularly. In Thought for Thought, you have the New Living Translation, New International Version. And we use primarily the New Living Translation here at Cornerstone. Uh, here's how that happened. We're starting the church. And I say, okay, if I were just a new new to the faith, new to Christianity, new to the Bible, what's the Bible that, we, that I would pick up and be the easiest to understand and read? 
New Living Translation. So that's why we use that. I grew up on the New International Version. Again, an excellent, excellent translation. Get the idea. The message. I love the message. It's a paraphrase, but it's really a translation. It does so good. And when, you, when I read a passage, I'm like, what? I don't get that. I open up the message. I read that. Often it's like, oh, okay, that's what he's saying. I get the idea. Another older uh, version is the J.B. Phillips New Testament. And in your notes, I put a new one that just has started coming out. I forgot to put it on here, the Passion Translation. And I have that one here. I actually bought this Bible just for the footnotes. On every page, there are extensive footnotes that explain certain scriptures. They are outstanding. They're like a commentary in and of itself. So that's worth getting just for that. So what do you do? If you're just getting a Bible for the first time, I would start here. And then add this. I, was, I almost put add this, then this. And I can't decide. I, just get both of them. Get one from each of the categories. But start here and then add the others. And if you need a little bit more insight, if your Bible reading is becoming stale, switch up the translations a little bit. You'll get better understanding. So what are you going to add to your kit from this part? A Bible you love to read. What's the best translation? Pick any of those and find out the one that you love to read, that you are eager to read, that you enjoy reading, and choose that. Get a life journal, a notebook, something to write on, and a reading plan. You've got that now. Let's look at scripture. The question that you're answering when you're writing this passage, this section, is what does it say? So you're not, you've already put the scripture but now you're going to say, well, what does that mean? If I were going to explain this verse to somebody that hasn't read what I read this morning, then this is how I would explain it. It doesn't have to be extensive, just a, just a sentence or two. For this, you need a good Bible. Oh, wait. No. What happened? Oh, I'm reading ahead on my notes. Sorry. Okay. Observation. What does it say? Uh, study Bible and commentaries. In 2 Timothy, again, the Apostle Paul writing to his apprentice, this is the New American Standard, so that's the more word-for-word -word translation, but it pulls out something I wanted you to see. Be diligent to present yourself diligent. It requires a little bit of work. If you were picking up an ancient play like Shakespeare, you would expect to put a little bit of work into it. If you're going to pick up an ancient a collection of ancient documents and read it with understanding, you're probably going to have to be a little, putting a little work in. Be diligent to present yourself approved as a workman who does not need to be ashamed. The Amiwana crew out there, approved workmen are not ashamed. That's where this came from. Uh, accurately handling the word of truth. And that's the New, New American Standard translation of that that I want to pull out. Accurately handling it. Skillfully. Rightfully appropriately. That's what you want to do. So probably if you're going to dive into an ancient document in different languages and from a different culture, you're going to need a little bit of help. That's what you're going to get here. Two resources I'm going to suggest to you. One is the Life Applications or Other Study Bible. This is my Life Application Bible. Like in the Passion Translation, on the bottom part of the page are notes and a lot of help to help you understand it. And because it's the Life Application Bible, apply it to your life. So that is really helpful. If you're buying just one Bible, get one of those translations like the New Living Translation in the Life Application Study Bible. There are other good study Bibles out there. 
I like this one because of the translations that it comes with and because it's application focused. Because you are going to, if you read the Bible, run across some things that don't quite make sense to you that you're going to need some help with. Commentaries. Now, I'm dating myself a little bit. Used to be if you wanted to go deeper, you would have to go to a bookstore and buy a book. Imagine uh, doing any of those things today. But what happened is the internet. And now you have all of these resources. And if you go to thebibleproject.com and just work through their stuff, you will have a better understanding of the scripture than most of the people, including myself, that graduated with a biblical studies degree. It is so good and so helpful and so worth it. So it just so happens that if you do want the old-fashioned, if you want to go old school, get a commentary, this is where I started, that you can go and for each page for those books where they have the video for that book, they will also list a uh, everyday commentary and a scholarly commentary. Start with the everyday column commentaries, but they will suggest a book that, that will be helpful to you. But get something, go deeper, watch the videos, just dive in. So you start with the scripture, you make your observations, and then you're going to make the application. The question you're answering is, what does it say to me? The resource that I'm going to give you are questions and statements. But let's talk about this. If you're going to flip the script on your life, then you're going to need to do something differently. Here's the way the Apostle James put it in his letter to the church. He said, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. I could go deep on that. But there are so many people grow up in the church, go to a Christian school, study the Bible all their lives, know it inside and out. But does it make a difference in the way that they live? Are they more loving? Are they more gentle? Are they more kind? Are they bearing the fruit of the Spirit because of that? Sometimes the answer is sadly no. You don't want to be that person. Okay? So you do what it says. Don't fool yourself by thinking that, oh, because I know all this stuff, I'm good. No, it's not what you know. It's what you do with what you know. Uh, the, the, the illustration that the Apostle James looks, uh, uses here is like looking in a mirror. When you look into a mirror, you see who you are. And when you look into the scriptures, it shows you who you really are. And if you look in a mirror and you realize, oh, my hair's out of place or you know, something like that, you do something about it. And when you look at the scriptures and you see something's out of place, the idea is to do something about it. And he says, skip a verse or two, and he says, but if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, not forgetting, don't forget what you've heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Where does the blessing come? Where does the benefit come? From doing it. So when you get to the application, this is where a lot of people get tripped up. It's like, I don't know. Sometimes it's a very obvious application. It's like, flee from sexual immorality. Should I be hanging out with my girlfriend or boyfriend in a, a dark parking lot by ourselves at 10 o'clock at night? No, that doesn't really fit. I can, I can figure those out, right? But there are some times where it's not quite so obvious what you should do or not do. So what are some things that will help with that? Let me give you two things, two things for your toolkit. Application questions and affirmative statements. For those of you that got my sample entries over last week, I gave you an example of one of these. So 
uh, got together with Ray and Dennis, and we were doing life journaling. And the verse that I picked was Matthew 23, 5. They do everything to be seen by others. This is Jesus talking about the Pharisees. And so he's, he's basically saying, uh, they, uh, he's highlighting the importance of humility and authenticity because the Pharisees had neither. And so when I'm thinking about that, no, no application immediately comes to mind. So what I often do in that case is I'll start asking myself questions, application questions related to what I've been reading. So here's some examples. Where does my teaching vary from my life? Jesus is highlighting the importance of authenticity and humility. So uh, where is there a lack of authenticity there? Does, is my teaching vary from my life? Another question, is there any place where appearances are more important to me than authenticity? So I don't have, a, I don't, I don't have an immediate application to that, but I'm just trying to think through, okay, well, what, what questions should I be asking because of that? Then you write those down and you're thinking of it through the day. And in this case, if I am tempted to kind of make myself look better than I am or, or, or make people think better of me than, than they were and I'm trying to manage my image, then it's like, oh, am I being authentic? Am I being transparent? Uh, am I being humble? So the, that's one thing you can do. Another thing I picked up from Craig Rochelle of Life Church is making affirmative statements. So here, if you don't have an application, you're like, well, what would it look like if I just lived this out? Okay. Uh, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for training, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. If I say, I'm always in God's scripture. I'm always reading the Bible. I'm always uh, looking for ways to be corrected. Now, I might feel like, eh, that, I'm not sure that's always true of me, but it's where I want to go, and this is what it would look like if I was doing what I'm reading, and then I write that out. And that has a way of, of retraining and programming your thoughts. So application questions, affirmative statements, one way to help you if you get stuck in the application section. And then lastly, prayer. The question that you're answering here is, what do I need to say to God? The resource authenticity, and dependency. Um, so when you write out your prayers, again, it doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be extensive. This isn't your prayer list. This isn't praying for Aunt Joe's ingrown toenail or whatever the case may be. This is related to what you are talking about in the scripture, how it applies to your life. What, if if the heaven, your heavenly father was right there across from you, what would you say to him? Where would, where, what would you do? So two things, authenticity and dependency. Uh, let's start with authenticity. In Psalm 139.1, it says, O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. Sometimes we are afraid to be authentic, to be transparent, to be honest with God, because it doesn't look good. You know, if I, if I'm like, Lord, I don't know if I believe that. Or, Lord, I don't understand why you allowed that. Or, Lord, I'm really confused by that. And you're like, oh, I don't want to say that to God. Uh, you know, that, that just doesn't sound right. What does this verse say? He knows you inside and out. You're not surprising him at all. 
Yeah, I mean, he's like, oh my gosh, you don't believe that? I can't believe that. No, he, he knows that. I mean, it's not a surprise to him. So why not be authentic? And then dependent. Um, when I was growing up in our church, our pastor would every once in a while say, work as if it all depended upon you and pray as if it all depended upon God. And I love that, and that stuck with me after all these years. It reminds me of what Jesus said in Matthew 19, verse 26. He looked at them intently, said, talking to his disciples about something, humanly speaking, it is impossible. There's something, some things in your life, you're not going to be able to flip the script on your own. Humanly speaking, it's impossible. But with God, everything is possible. Right? So when you pray, write out a prayer like it ain't happening unless God acts. I, I'm sunk, I'm history, I'm toast, unless God intervenes. Write like that. So the way that I put it, when you're writing out these prayers, do this. Be so authentic that it would be a little bit embarrassing. I mean, if somebody else was reading your journal, you're like, oh, that's embarrassing. You're probably on the right track. <laughs> you know, be so real, so authentic that it'd probably be a little bit embarrassing. And then secondly, write and pray as if it all depends upon the Lord, because pretty much I think it does. Now, to close, I'm going to give you the most indispensable, can't do without it resource if you are going to read and respond to God's word with insight, understanding, application, work through those difficult passages, figure out how it applies to your life when it's, you're dealing with stuff in your life that's just not seeming to be covered in the scriptures. What do you do? And it's all in that passage that I read to you earlier. Let's look at just one verse. First Corinthians 2, verse 14. The person without the spirit, this is the New International Version, does not accept the things that come from God, but considers them foolishness. Is, is there a reason why your atheist professor at your college thinks the Bible is bunk? Yeah, <laughs> because to him it doesn't make sense. To the world, it's going to be foolishness. And the Bible tells us that. There's some, there's some irony. It's hard to get my mind around that, okay? But the person without the spirit can't. They're, they're foolishness to him and cannot, look at that word, cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the spirit. Not only are we dealing with a, a document, a collection of documents that are ancient, old, from a, written in different languages, in multiple different cultures that are very different from ours, if you, re, if you, under, if you read and believe what the Bible says, there's also a spiritual dimension to it. And without this spiritual key, you're, you're, you're toast. And, and secondly, there's an evil spiritual presence that's actively trying to keep you from knowing and loving your heavenly father. You're, 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 you're out of the game without this. You cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. So what is the indispensable key that you need if you're going to do this? You need God's Holy Spirit. Now the good news is, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you've said yes to Jesus, if Jesus is your Savior and your Lord, you have God's Spirit dwelling within you. In that passage, it talked about how you can't know what people are thinking, only they know in their spirit. But God 
And it's the same with God. You can't read his mind, but except God has shared his thoughts and shared his mind in the person and presence of his Holy Spirit so we can read his mind. He's shared with us. We have the mind of Christ. So how do you get that? You say yes to Jesus and you are indwelled by God's Holy Spirit. If you are a follower of Jesus, you don't have to beg, plead, uh, and cry out for God's spirit. He gave you his spirit when you became a believer. But you have the responsibility to surrender to, to be filled with the spirit, to allow him to be the controlling influence in your life, to open yourself up to him. And so do that. So here's the next step. Um, and that is to use at least one resource. Look through these. I mean, for some of you, you're like, oh, no wonder everything never made sense. I'm not following Jesus. No wonder the Bible doesn't make sense to me. And it's time to say yes to him. For others, there are helpful things in there. As you go through your week, what's one thing that you can use? And maybe one thing that you can share with somebody else that you're discipling, that you're apprenticing, that you're teaching to walk in the ways of Jesus that you're doing life journaling with together. So, God has given you a resource in his word that can totally flip the script of your life. And in some cases, it sits on a shelf gathering dust. Pick it up. Add these resources. Read, understand, plow through until it starts making sense. Seek God's help, and he will resource you through and by his Holy Spirit. And there are answers to the questions you have. There's wisdom for the, for the challenges that you are facing. There is power available. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for the resources that you have given us, and primarily your Holy Spirit and your Holy Spirit-inspired word. I pray, Lord, that we would never take it for granted and that we would pick it up and read, that we would listen, that we would seek your face. And Lord, I pray that you would speak to each one of us, not just today, not just one hour on Sunday, but every moment as we practice living in your presence and as we develop the habits of communing with you, like reading and responding to your word. Thank you for this. I pray, Lord, that you would show each of us exactly what we need to know and do with what we have heard today. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen.